This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, all right. Hey, well, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. Why don't you go ahead and and turn to your neighbor real quick and tell them Jesus is here, and anything can happen. All right, now turn to your other neighbor, turn to somebody behind you, and uh, tell them Jesus is here, and anything can happen to you too. Good. I'm glad that uh, we, we established that right now because uh, we, I'm, normally I don't do this, but man, we have had a hectic, hectic morning here. If anything could go wrong, it went wrong this morning. Anybody ever have a day like that where it just seems like everywhere you turn, something is broken, something's not right, something's not, not working properly. And that's kind of been the morning it's been here at the school. But I'm telling you what, we truly believe that Jesus is here and anything can happen. I believe that God is going to do something incredible in your life here today. I believe that he's going to speak to you. I believe that he's going to do something supernatural in your life and that you are going to break out of some things in your life and see some things happen inside of you that you've never experienced before. And that is really my belief for you here today. We've been in this series. We started it last week called Breakout. And we've been really talking about our heart, not, not the physical heart, but, but the, the invisible heart that's within us, the place where we love, the place where we live, the place where we laugh, the place where we lust, the place where all those L words in our life kind of happen. It seems like we've been talking about this area of our lives where when things come out from within us, we're kind of like, oh man, where did that come from? And when we have some actions, we're like, I don't really understand why that just took place. And Jesus would say, he would say that, man, it took place because that is something that came out of your heart. That wasn't just a, a byproduct or a once in a lifetime kind of thing that just happened. That is a byproduct. That is a, a, a something that has risen up from within you. In fact, last week we looked at a, a scripture in, cha- in Matthew chapter 15 that said that Jesus was talking here in, in a group and he's talking to all these different people and he says, man, for, and, and let me read it here. And it says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. Jesus says, man, the things that are coming out from within us, they're not just random things that happen in our lives. They're not just things that just come out of nowhere. They come from a source. And he goes on to say in verse 19, he continues through and he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. He says that's where all this stuff comes from. All this stuff that we think is just random that we just say is a, is a happenstance that happens uh, for no apparent reason. He says, man, the source that you're like when you say, oh man, where did that come from? Jesus said that isn't just something that randomly happens. I would, he would say that stuff comes from your heart and out of your heart is, is where we've learned to live. And what happens in our life is, is we've all had some behavior modification happen to us. You know, as kids, we've had some instances where we've learned to to modify our behavior. We learn that we can say certain things and there's certain things that we can't say. And if we want to have a job, there's certain things we can say on that job interview and there's certain things that we can't say. And if we want to have a good relationship with our spouse, there's certain things we can say. And if we don't want to have a good relationship and not end up with a relationship with our spouse, there are certain things that if we do, that will end that relationship. And we've learned that if we modify our behavior, if we are continuously putting a filter on all those things, then eventually we can get certain things in our lives. And, and, and we would think to ourselves, man, if I can just modify my behavior, if I can just modify my words, if I can just filter my words, if I can just filter my actions, then everything in life will be great. But we talked about last week the 
fact that that filter has a tendency to wear kind of thin, and when it wears things, things come out that we're like, oh man, I don't know where that came from, and we do things, and we're like, that is not like me, and, and that's where Jesus would say, because those things are not just something that we can monitor, it's not just something that we can monitor our behavior, he says, man, we have to monitor our heart. We have to take a look at what is happening on the inside of us and decide from there and look at that and say, man, what is the source of what's happening? And then we also looked at a scripture in uh, Proverbs 4, chapter 23, uh, chapter 4, verse 23, talking from Solomon, who is the wisest man who, who ever lived. He said, above all else, he said, listen, if, in spite of everything that I'm going to tell you, man, I have a lot of great things to say. I have a lot of great things that are going to come across to you. Man, in spite of all that stuff, I want you to get this one thing because this one thing is going to be the most critical thing that you can grab from all the wisdom I've ever had and everything I've ever taught. And he says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. He says, man, this is the source of where everything in your life comes from. It's where you live from. It's where you love from. It's where you, it's where you parent from. It's where everything in your life comes from. And it is the source. And he was just going right along with Jesus and saying, listen, it's not enough to monitor our behavior. It's not enough to monitor our words. It's not enough to filter those things. We have got to learn to monitor and guard our heart. And, and, and so, you know, the whole thing is, is, but who's really taught us to do that? All of our life, we've been taught to monitor our behavior. And Jesus says, listen, that's just not enough. We have got to learn how to monitor this thing inside of us that's, that is an invisible thing, but is so important for you and I to grab hold of and to understand. And last week, we just dove in and we talked about that. And we, we asked the question, how is your heart? And now today what I want to do is I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper and I want to look at some areas that seem to spring up um, in our lives. There's some things that get lodged in your heart and there's some things that get lodged in my heart. And a lot of times we don't even know that it ha has happened. It happens as a kid and we, we don't even recognize it. Or, and then there are some things that we do know that are lodged in our hearts and it's happened in the past week or the past month or the, the past year. And there's some things that are some pretty big things that are stuck in there. And as we look at those things, we get a little scared and we say, man, I don't know that I really want to deal with that. I don't know if I want to really come clean with those things because if I come clean with that, that could be pretty embarrassing. I mean, that could financially ruin me and, and I would I would come to you and I would say, listen, the only way that we're going to experience freedom in life is if we are willing to get a spotlight out and shine it in the nooks and the crannies of our lives, in the nooks and the crannies of our heart and really peer in and see what is happening in there because everything in our life flows from our heart. And, and everything, every relationship that we have, every business transaction that we have, every opportunity we have to parent our children, every time we have the opportunity to be in relationship with somebody, everything that happens in those places flows from our heart. And if there's something that's in there, that's lodged in there, that's jacking things up, those repercussions are going to come out every single time. And, and, and if we were to look at these things, the way, the best way that I could describe it, the best way that I think that you and I could understand that, if we're going to really understand these things, is this whole idea that in our heart and every single relationship we have, there is a, and, and, and things that get lodged in our hearts, there's this debt-debtor relationship. And um, there's this debt-debtor relationship. And, and when you have a debt-debtor relationship, when somebody is in debt to somebody, there is an imbalance in that relationship. You owe somebody or somebody owes you or, or 
you know, and that happens and there's a, there's, a, there's a distance in there. There's an inequity in that relationship. A lot of times somebody will owe you some money and you'll catch up with them. Maybe you're grabbing some wings at Brew's Room and hanging out and you guys will talk about sports, you'll talk about the weather, you'll talk about your kids. And every single time in that relationship, there's always this thing that's looming there in the relationship, isn't there? There's always this subject that nobody wants to kind of approach because there's an inequity in that relationship and there's an imbalance there. And anytime there's an imbalance in our relationships, man, that causes this gap to happen. It causes this thing to take place. And somebody owes something and just causes an imbalance in life. And we have some of these things in life, man, it just messes up our relationships. And so today, one of the things that I want to talk about in this debt-debtor relationship is I want to talk about this whole area of guilt. And, uh, you know, guilt is something that we've all probably experienced. And before we kind of dive into this, let me just say that, um, you know, I know that a lot of people, they immediately associate guilt in church. And I mean, for good reason, uh, because a, a, a lot of people, you know, the reason they go to church is because they feel guilty. Um, it, I mean, isn't that true? A lot of times we've come to church because we feel guilty about ourselves and we're like, oh man, I better do something. And then, you know, a lot of pastors and a lot of religious leaders would say, man, if I wasn't in the business of people dealing with guilt, you know, I would be out of business because it, that's what drives people to, to church. And so, man, I, I don't want them to feel guilty, but at the same point, uh, I, I kind of need them to feel guilty because that's how they stay in church. And, 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 and listen, I know this, that if, if you want to feel guilty, you don't need to come to church to feel guilty. I mean, you can go play golf and, and be really bad and you can feel guilty all day long. And, and, but a lot of people, they come to church and they feel guilty about themselves and then we make them feel even worse. We, we pass an offering bucket at the end and make them pay to feel guilty. So it's a you know, it's just, a, it's just kind of a jacked up thing. And, but but if, if, you, if, you look at the, if you look at the Bible and you read your Bible and you were to look in the New Testament, you can look and you can look at Jesus' life and Jesus was never a dispenser of guilt. Jesus never went around. If anybody should have had the ability to go around and, and look at people and judge them on guilt or not, it was him because he's the one person who truly understood the hearts of men. I mean, he could have walked around and said, guilty, 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 guilty. He could have pointed all those things out, but yet Jesus was never a dispenser of guilt. He never went and said, hey, why don't you come follow me and I'll make you feel guilty. I mean, that just wasn't in his, his language. That isn't what he did, but yet so many times, that's what people think God is all about, and that's what they, th they think that they're gonna experience when they come into a relationship, but that isn't what Jesus dispensed. I mean, Jesus wasn't out there dispensing guilt. He was continuously out there dispensing grace and truth and love and mercy, and he was wanting people to, to grab hold of that, and I know so many people have come into churches, and they just think, man, they just, they just want me to feel guilty, and they want me to experience all this junk, and, and they get manipulated because of that guilt, to give or to do some things that they don't want to do. And I just want to tell you right now, man, if that has been your experience in church, man, I apologize on behalf of all Christ followers because that is not the goal of Christianity. In fact, if you're in relationships with somebody in your family, in your marketplace, wherever it is, and, and they're dispensing guilt on you, man, I want to tell you to run from that relationship because it's generally guilty people who make other people feel guilty, isn't it? It's generally people that, that are guilty themselves that dispense guilt on other people and want them to feel that way. And Jesus never in his time on earth do you see him ever dispense guilt on people. In fact, if you were to look, if you really want to understand the heart of God, you can look at Romans chapter 2 and it says, it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. It's not because he's guilting them into the feeling that way. It's not because he's pushing them towards that way. It says it's because of his goodness. It's because of his grace. It's because of his mercy that people want to experience 
him, not because he knows what they've done wrong and he's going to point out all their faults and, and grab hold of them and just jack them up. See, guilt is, is this monster that grows within and it's, it's something that destroys our lives and, and, and we're going to dive some more into that. I just wanted to kind of get on that little soapbox to begin because I, so many people feel like the church, that's what it's always been about. So, so now that we're out on that, uh, getting back to guilt, guilt says, I owe you. Guilt says, I owe you. In that dead, dead of relationship, what guilt says to us is it says, I owe you. Man, I've offended you. I've done something to you. I've hurt you. I've done something to your family. I've done something to our family. I disappointed you. And all of a sudden, what happens is there is an inequity in that relationship. And in fact, we have terminology that goes right along with this. When we do something to somebody and we hurt them, what do we say? I owe you an apology. Right, because we, I owe you, because something hasn't happened in that relationship that has caused a gap, it has caused an inequity and an imbalance in that relationship, and all of a sudden, I owe you. And what happens is, is when that inequity comes, what do we normally say, man? Man, I'm gonna make it up to you, man. I'm gonna try to restore that thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something to make it right in this relationship, because there is an imbalance here, and I wanna put that thing back together. And so we say, man, let me make it up to you. And, and you see this all the time. You see these imbalances happening and, and all of a sudden you feel like I owe you. And some of us, we're like, well, I don't, I don't know if that really happens. I don't know if I really understand that. Well, think about it like this. When you lie to somebody, you are stealing something from them. When you lie to somebody, what do you take? You're robbing them of the opportunity to know all the facts to make a decision, correct? You're taking that opportunity from them to truly understand. And when your kids lie to you, what do they do? What does that do? That takes trust from the relationship. And all of a sudden, there's an inequity there because you can't trust them anymore because they've taken that from you. And all of a sudden, they owe you because you don't know where they stand. And the same thing as happens in relationships. What happens is a, is a husband goes and he cheats on his wife. And all of a sudden, there's an imbalance because of that. And all of a sudden, he, he owes people. You know, he just, he just stole from his wife. He stole the opportunity to have intimacy in that relationship. They, he probably stole the opportunity to put his kids to bed that night. He stole their, their family name, their good name in the community because of what he's done. And he's stolen some things from that family. And all of a sudden there's an inequity in that relationship. And guilt says, you know what? I now owe you. And see, guilt is, is when we have this realization that I've taken something from somebody and I feel guilty now and there's this inequity in the relationship because of the fact that now I owe them. And that's what, what guilt is. But how do we experience guilt? Well, the, the way we experience guilt is, is a lot like carrying a weight around. I, I found this weight out back uh, that, that powers all these lifts and stuff. And, and what guilt says is it says, I owe you. And what happens is, is, is when we feel guilty, all of a sudden we have a burden. We have a weight that we all of a sudden take on to ourselves because there is an inequity in the relationship. And I have taken something from somebody and I'm carrying that around in my life. And, and what do we normally say when we go? and maybe um, we go and tell them, man, I sent that email or I said those things. What happens after we confess to somebody about what happens? We say, man, I feel like a weight has been lifted from me. Haven't we all felt that way? When that happens in life, we feel like a weight has been lifted from us and that all of a sudden that there's this freedom that comes from that. But what happens a lot of times that we don't get and we misunderstand and we really, really miss is that the weight that I pick up in college if I don't deal with that weight, I eventually bring that thing into my marriage. And the weight that I, I pick up in, in, in my marriage, I eventually take to my work. 
And that weight that I pick up uh, with, on that business trip, I eventually bring home to my family. And what we don't realize is that we think that, man, it's a, just a one-time thing. That it, it, The weight that I pick up only affects that one situation in our life. What we don't realize is the weights that we pick up, we have a tendency to carry around with us. And it just doesn't affect that isolated incident, incident in our lives, but it continues to affect and come into every single aspect of our lives. And we're carrying these things and we're wondering, why, why am I lashing out over here? I have nothing against those people, but because of the weight that is in our lives. And so many times we, we don't even recognize that we have these things. We're walking around and, and we don't even know that we have this edge. We can pick it out in other people and that's why in the office we walk behind the water cooler and people see us and they go, man, I don't know what's wrong with that person. They've just got an edge to them. There's that, ugh. It's because they see the weight that we've picked up somewhere else and we're carrying into the relationships that we have. And when we carry this unresolved guilt in our lives, whether it's just from today or from a long time ago and we don't deal with it, we carry this inequity from the past into every current relationship that we have. Now here's the interesting thing. Do you know what's under that guilt in your life? Typically it's anger. Typically it's anger. And, and, and why are you angry? And who are you angry at? You're angry at you. Because I let me down. I said I would, and I didn't. I said that I would answer that, and I didn't. I said I would be there, and I didn't show. And all of a sudden, there's this inequity in the relationship, and there's this anger that's brewing up because I let me down. And if we peel back that guilt, we would see that, that man, we're really mad at, at me because I haven't met my own expectations. I haven't met the own expectations that I set up for myself and, and because I didn't keep the expectations with my spouse and I, didn't, and I didn't keep the expectations with my kids and I didn't keep the expectations at my work, all of a sudden I have anger in my life from this deep root of guilt that's taking place. And anytime we carry around anger, it's not just isolated in that particular situation. It, it translates into every single relationship that you and I have. And if you ever notice, I mean, it's almost impossible to please a person that is not content with themselves, that, is, that feels let down by themselves. Because what, they, what happens is, is when we have that, that anger and that unresolved guilt in our lives and we, and we say to ourselves, man, I let me down. Because I let me down, I can, you can never match up to what you should be because I'm always comparing that to my letdown so you can never be better than me. And because I, I failed there, you can never be successful there because of those things that are in my life. And, and people will say, well, I'm just a perfectionist. No, you're not. You're just trying to push off those things on other people. You're just trying to make those things work. And, and we think, man, that we can't change our past and we can't change what's happened to us. But the fact is, is that unresolved guilt, those unresolved issues that are in our lives that are, that are transferring out, man, they're, they're wrecking us on the inside. And it's from the inside out that all of a sudden this stuff is coming into our lives and just jacking us up. Because, see, guilt is a heart issue. Guilt is a harsh issue, and guilt eats at your heart. See, guilt grows in the darkness, but it dissipates when the light of Christ is shown on it. Man, when we expose the, the things that are in the dark in our lives to light, all of a sudden those things run, and they flee, and they scurry, and all of a sudden we get to experience freedom. But it's so scary for us to step out and experience freedom because if we do, you know, how do, how do we get rid of guilt in our lives? Man, we can repay the debt. 
But how, how easy is it to, re, to repay a debt to, to that uh, first marriage that you had? Or how easy is it to give back those, those six years you stole from your kid? Or how easy is it to give back you know, that relationship that you, you took somebody's virginity in? How easy is it to give back those things? A lot of those things we cannot give back. So the second option we have is, is we can ask the person who took it from us to cancel that debt. And both of those require something that uh, we're not very good at and really is misunderstood, I think, a lot in, in church and even in this world, and that's the word confession. Confession. See, confession breaks the power of guilt in your life and in my life. Confession breaks the death grip of guilt on our heart and confession is like a spotlight that shines in the dark. And part of the struggle is, is we so desperately wanna have freedom in our life. We so desperately wanna be free from the things that are holding us back and we so desperately wanna forgive ourselves. But the reality is, is as long as our life is a secret, as long as those things are a secret in our life and we are not willing to confess them to somebody, man, we're gonna continue to struggle with this thing called guilt for the rest of our lives. It is gonna continue to grab us. It's gonna continue to hold us back. It's gonna continue to keep us back from being free. And it won't just happen until we get real and we get authentic. And we're about to dive into the Bible here and I, and I want you guys to see some things. But man, I want, I want us to understand this because we get so jacked up. We think, man, man, if I just go tell God about, about what's happening in my life, man, everything will be good. And, and so what happens is, is we go and we do something to somebody and we go and we tell God about it. And, and we've told God like eight times, you know, already. And God's like, man, I already know. And then you're like, man, I just lied to that person. That's nine and then 10. And we, we just continue to go back to God and we feel good for a moment. We might have a week of feeling good, but that guilt always comes back because God didn't say, come tell me what you did wrong. He says something very different. And if you start looking in the Bible, if you don't read your Bible, you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be studying it because it says so much about our heart that we need to understand. And the only way we're going to understand that is if we dig inside God's word and we search out truth and he will reveal truth to our lives. But it has so much to say. And, and one of the things that I found is in the very beginning, the first time that God really talks about guilt, this is what he says in Numbers chapter 5. Um, you know, if you, don't, if you don't know where Numbers is, it's in the, the Old Testament, and it's really a bunch of numbers. But uh, here's what it says in Numbers chapter 5. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Say the Israelites when a man or a woman wrongs another in any way, and is so unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must confess the sin he has committed. He must make full restitution for his wrong." Add one-fifth to it and give it all to the person he is wrong. He said, when, see, when somebody breaks the law, which somebody is gonna break the law, somebody's gonna mess up, what I want you to do is, is I don't want you to come to me and, 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 and tell me that you're wrong. I mean, that's a good thing, but I already know that you've done something wrong. What I want you to do is when somebody breaks the law, when somebody does something to somebody else, guilt is gonna come in their heart, but I want you to go to that person and talk to them. I want you to go and tell them what's happening. Not only do I want you to tell them what's happening, but I want you to make restitution. I want you to repay the debt of what's happening there so that you can have a clean conscience. Because listen, there is no freedom in telling God something that he already knows something about. There's no freedom in telling God something that he already knows something about. What we need to be doing is we need to be telling the person that we wronged. Not telling somebody that already knows what's happening. We need to go to the person that we've wronged and make those things right. 
Then you say, well, man, that's an Old Testament thing. Well, look at the story of Zacchaeus. We've all heard the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. You know, he went up in the sycamore tree, and so Jesus, he could see. You've all, I guess none of y'all have been to Sunday school ever, huh? I went once. That's all I learned. So, no, I mean, Zacchaeus, he was this tax collector, and he saw Jesus, and, and Jesus saw him and said, man, I'm coming to your house, and he shows up there, and man, Zacchaeus had been a liar, he'd been a cheater, he had stolen from people, man, if anybody probably had some guilt in his life, he had a, a lot of guilt, and, and, and so he experiences Jesus, he experiences the life of Jesus, and, and what he says to Jesus is he says, man, he comes to this conclusion, man, I've wronged some people, and this is what he says in Luke 18, 8, 9, he says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. He says, man, listen, if I've messed up, I will pay it back. Man, I'm going to make some restitution. And you don't see Jesus go, no, 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 Zacchaeus, you don't need to do that. Just tell me. It's all right. You don't need to do anything for those people. Man, I got you, bro. That isn't what Jesus says. In fact, Jesus in the next verse, man, he says, in fact, after he heard this from Zacchaeus, he says, today salvation has come to your house. He said, man, listen, you figured it out. You finally got it. That it's not about just telling me, but it's about righting the wrongs that you've done in people's lives. That's what confession is all about. That's what changes people's lives. And Jesus even said it in a few chapters later, he's in the parable of, of a guy comes to the, to the altar and he's ready to sacrifice. And he says, man, if if anybody has something against his brother when he comes to the altar of the sacrifice, man, tie up that sacrifice and leave and go make that thing right and then come back and sacrifice. And, and see, we don't understand that because we don't understand all the ceremonial cleansing and all the stuff that went on to the forefront to even get to the place to sacrifice. But he says, man, if there's something in your heart that's jacked up to somebody else, don't tell me about it. Go make that thing right. Then come back to me. And then in James, the brother of Jesus, in James 5, 16, he says, confess your sins one to another. So why don't you just turn and do that right now? And we'll just, don't do that. It'd probably be bad. But confess your sins one to another. So that what? So that you can be healed. He says, man, there's something we have to do, man. We gotta confess to another. See, there, it's a big misconception. We think the, the goal of confession is a clear conscience So, for so many times. We think that the goal is, is, is a clear conscience and, and, and God isn't after how we feel. God is not concerned about how we feel because the sins that we confess to God that we come to him over and over and over again, have you ever noticed that those sins tend to get repeated in our lives? They tend to get repeated because we're going and we're confessing to God and we're saying, God, man, I, I, I'm so sorry, man, I did this. And we're there back again next week. God, I'm so sorry that I did this. And, and, and God's saying, and you're saying to yourself, God, man, why isn't my heart changing? Why, isn't, why do I feel like I'm rotting inside? Because he's saying, who told you to come tell me? I know what you did. You don't need to tell me. You need to go tell the person that you wronged. You need to go tell that person. See, because the goal of confession isn't a clear conscience. The goal of confession is a changed life. Because we live from our heart and we love from our heart and we confess from our heart and we shine a big old spotlight in our life and into all that incriminating stuff that's hidden so deep within us. And we expose it to that light. We say, man, I want to get my heart right. 
And the way that I'm going to get my heart right is, is, is not just by feeling better by confessing to God. The way that I'm going to get my heart right is by confessing to others who I've wronged. And see, I, I, I learned this the hard way. I, as a kid, I, um, I was that kid that, you know, um, my parents expected really good grades from me. And I remember being in the seventh grade, um, going into my eighth grade year. And one of the kids in our class, um, his parents happened to be teachers. And they had all the history tests for that year. And, um, and so I, I, I actually went over to his house and I stole um, the final exam for our history class. And, um, and I, I remember being in detention one day. And that's, that, that should explain a lot. And I was making a cheat sheet for that. I don't, you know, that's an odd combination, detention and a cheat sheet to cheat on a test. And I remember I was making, I was making that cheat sheet because the expectation was, was, man, I was supposed to be this good kid, but, but I was supposed to make A's. And so do I be a good kid or do I make A's? Which one's better? And so I decided I would rather make A's. And so I remember cheating on this test and, and I remember feeling guilty at the end of it. You know, and if you cheat, you feel guilty. And, and so I remember, you know, I passed the seventh grade, I was going into eighth grade and, and the next year, you know, the opportunity came up again. You know, do I cheat on this test that I haven't Study for that I'm not ready for, or do I just go and take it and probably make an F? And I decided, man, you know, well, the the right thing to do would just be to go and take the F, you know, and 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 just go do the best that I could. But instead, I decided to cheat. But all of a sudden, my heart started to change because I realized that, man, I just haven't wronged God. All of a sudden, I've cheated my teacher. And I remember my conscience started getting so heavy that I realized, man, I got to go tell my teacher because I've lied to her. And I remember telling my teacher and, 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 and getting suspended from school for, for cheating. And, uh, and needless to say, by that confession, that changed how I looked. I never cheated again in my entire life. Because I had wronged her. And when I came back and I said those things, it changed me. Because we need to not just tell God, we need to tell the person that we've wronged. And God is after your heart, and God is after my heart. Man, he, doesn't, he want, doesn't want us to momentarily feel better, but he wants us to get our heart right because everything happens from the inside. It happens from our heart. And the way we get unresolved issues and the way we get whole and the way we get free is through confession. Now, I know some of you guys are saying, but, but TJ, you don't understand. I didn't cheat on a seventh grade or an eighth grade history test. I cheated on my wife. You know, how, how am I going to go tell her about this? How am I going to go tell him about this? I mean, this is going to hurt them so bad. And that's where I would stop you and I would say, man, confession isn't going to hurt them. Sin is going to hurt them. Confession doesn't hurt anybody. Sin hurts people. And that's so important for us to understand because we think, man, the confession aspect is, is what hurts people. But see, this is what's happening. They, when, when you've done that, they know something's wrong because you're never right after you've done that, man. You're hiding something. You've got this edge to you. You're living out your life. And all these things are like you're tiptoeing in certain areas and they know something is wrong. And we think, man, if I can just, if I can just keep this out there, man, and they'll never know. But the, re the reason we don't confess is because we're scared of the consequences of confession. But the reality is, is we should be scared of the consequences of concealment in our lives a lot more. Because the consequences of concealment are a lot more deadly than the consequences of confession. See, when, when, when we 
When we drag all this stuff out, man, it, it affects not just that one life, but it affects our entire life. It affects not just that one relationship, but it affects every relationship that we come in contact with. That's why at the end of people's lives, I see it all the time, man. They want to gather people in, and they want to they unload all this stuff on their heart, and they'll, and they'll start telling people stuff. And a lot of the stuff, man, people already know. They already know that that person's jacked up. They've been wanting it for a while. But, it, but some of those things, they're like, whoa, man, I never saw that. And at the end of it, they're like, man, I'm so glad I got that off my chest, man. I wish I would have told people that a whole lot sooner. I wish I would have just ran through the fire of confession and dealt with the consequences in that moment instead of dealing with the concealment of my entire life. And see, for, for us, we don't, we don't understand that the consequences of confession, man, they're tangible. The consequences of confession are immediate and the consequences, man, they just affect a small group of people. But the consequences of concealment, they're intangible in our lives. They don't just affect a small group of people, but they end up affecting every relationship that we come in contact with. And they don't just last for a moment, they last for a lifetime. And that's why God says, man, don't just come tell me. Go talk to the person. Don't continue to conceal those things. Don't continue to try to hide those things. Don't try to push those things behind you and, and act like they never happened because they're affecting every area of your life. That guilt is popping through that filter all the time in all those relationships. And instead of trying to hide that, man, break free from that today. Deal with it. Face the consequences. Take some baby steps today. I think the first baby step for all of us would be if we got some, some guilt in our lives is tell somebody. Don't just go tell a random stranger. Find somebody that you know, that you trust and tell them what's going on in your heart. Say, man, this is, this is what's happening. And start there. Then you need to go and confess to the person that you've wronged. And I know that it could be hard. I know it can be difficult. I know it could be scary. But if we're going to break the power of guilt in our lives, man, we've got to confess. And the third thing that we need to do is we need to make restitution for what we have wronged. And I understand that most of us, man, we, it's impossible to make up that restitution what people have taken from you and what people have taken from me and what we've taken from others, there's probably no way we could ever restore that, but we can try. But we can try. When we do this, you know what'll happen? What'll happen is, is momentarily, our outside world will get a little crazy. But our inside world our heart will become free. And that's what God is after. God is after our heart. He's after us being free. And once we're done with the outside complications and we're experiencing that freedom, we're going to be able to love unconditionally. We're going to be able to, to live un, uh, unhindered. We're going to be able to look at the failures of other people and not see our own failures. We're going to be able to forgive gracefully and mercifully because of what's been forgiven of us in our lives. And there's not going to be a debt debtor relationship. We're not going to owe anybody anymore. We're just going to owe our lives to the one who gave it all. 
And so today, would you be willing to complicate your life on the short term? To confess, to get some things right in order to uncomplicate your life in the long term? Would you be able to take a look at your heart today and say, man, where, is, where are some things that I'm struggling with? What are, what's an area that, man, I've, I've just been walking around with this guilt and this anger in that I need to let go of today? And start to make confession, not just something we do periodically, but a lifestyle and a habit that will change our life forever. And so today, my question for you is, is how is your heart? How is it? Have you lied to somebody recently? Do you have an area where when something happens, you always seem to blow up in that area or you always seem to clam up because of what's happened in your life? How's your heart? Is there something you're carrying around that you're scared to death to tell anybody about because if they find out, you think it's going to ruin you? How's your heart today? Would you be willing to confess and open up and allow your heavenly father to come in and and change you from the inside out? See, I don't know what you need to do, but I'm gonna guess there's a lot of us in here that need to go write a letter or make an appointment or make a phone call and stop concealing some things in our lives and open up And drop the weight that we've been carrying for so long. And experience freedom. And I believe that God would say to you, man, I've I've made all of my moves. Man, I've given you my son. I've forgiven you. I've given you a new opportunity. But there's some things that only you can do. And one of those things is you can only confess. I can't confess for you. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.